If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with scripture and renewing our minds. What's up, everybody? I'm David. I'm Mike. And we're the Kingdom Misfits. And thank you for tuning in with us for another episode. And in case you're new to this podcast, we wanted to take a quick second to talk about, you know, why we started the podcast and the audience that we're trying to reach. So Kingdom Misfits Podcast started as a platform for Mike and I to talk about our experiences wrestling with Scripture, our faith, and our walk with God. You know, we're two guys that have, uh, you know, similarities and in, in, in backgrounds and what we like and, and who we are. And we found that, uh, fortunately, but unfortunately, however you want to look at it, we're, we were the misfits of the church and, and the groups and everywhere we went. So we just decided to... Uh, Give all misfits a, a voice. A voice, and that's why we created this platform. And and you know, I, I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of Christian podcasts, and most of them I'm following churches, and I'm listening to sermon. And there's a couple other people that I follow, but I just wanted to give a, a platform for those folks who are like us, um, we're like two unpolished Christians trying to point people um, who share the same life experiences towards Jesus, and we definitely do that in an unconventional manner. So if you're looking for something more polished, uh, that's definitely not going to be us, because no. we're, we're kingdom misfits. We're, we're, the, we're the non-suit and tie <laughs> We're the non-suit and tie, right, and we're going to speak our mind, and we're going to talk about the true and raw um, experiences that we have in our walk right. trying to follow Jesus, and, and we know that there's other people out there like us. So we created this platform for you, so that way you can have a voice for all the misfits out there and for all those who feel like you may be an outcast um, within your community of faith, but you love Jesus and you're trying to follow them and you've got all these flaws and you're struggling with a lot of stuff. That's who we are here for and we're yeah. trying to give you a voice and hopefully one day you'll, you'll join us in this and be a guest on this podcast and, and talk about that journey with us. Right, and transparency is, is key in, in in this show and in, in my life, I, I don't see people, I don't understand a lot when people put on a lot of uh, mask and they dress up and that's not who they are. And so I, I think people like us that are just true about our flaws and our falls and our doubts right. and, and, and the things that we struggle with. You know, I we just we're just honest about it. Yeah, I don't know anything. I don't know nothing about nothing. And we're not giving ourselves a pass here. You know, we're a work in progress, and that's the whole point of this show is is for you to join us on that journey and listen in as we're trying to grow and learn how to read and interpret scripture, learn how to be better men, better husbands, right. better fathers, and better followers of Christ. So that's our mission with this podcast, and, and definitely we thank you for tuning in and spending time with us as we're sitting here talking about faith topics and, and, and different circumstances that we've encountered and areas of growth that we're trying to improve.
So in today's episode, we'll be discussing wrestling with doubt and faith and how it impacts all areas of our life and is necessary to deepen your relationship with God. This is because doubt is an experience common to all of us. Even those who are mature in their faith and people who we would consider successful in life, they all struggle with doubt. Now, doubt, according to the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, is to call into question the truth of or to lack confidence in. It also calls doubt an uncertainty of belief or opinion that often interferes with decision-making. And on the other hand, we have faith, which is described as something that is believed especially with strong conviction, a belief in the traditional doctrines of a religion, and firm belief in something for which there is no proof of. Now, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1 through 40, describes faith as, Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And it also, the rest of the chapter also goes on to provide examples of faith from different Old Testament people like Abel, who offered a more, who offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was murdered and God accepted his gift. Enoch, who was taken up to heaven so that he would not see death. Um, he was commended as having pleased God. Then we have Abraham, who on faith left his land and his comfort zone to a place where he was able to receive his, his inheritance and not knowing where he was going. So I think that's pretty key. So let's also mention by faith that he almost sacrificed his son. And then you have the story of Moses who led his people out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. So those are all different examples of faith from the word of God. And then I encourage everyone to go back and read this chapter in Hebrews with the main points in my opinion being that, you know, verses 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Then you got verse 6 which says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then you got verse 39, which says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They didn't get what they were promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. section we're going to talk about doubt and how it can both impact our lives and be a tool to encourage deeper understanding and challenge us now let's be clear that it's normal to experience feelings of doubt when we are faced with new experiences or challenging life situations and i think the real problem here is that when we let doubt or self-control go unchecked it often leads to these certain areas so you got anxiety um when you're struggling with doubt anxiety can kick in and really just uh yeah. you know it, it having anxiety that paralyzes me from certain things. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had an anxiety attack? I, I think I did one time. I started like shutting down. Um, I mean, I had a breakdown recently, which I, I shared with everybody, you uh -huh. know, um, which, by the way, is amazing how in in all my failures, in, in those failures, God still used that to teach me a lesson, you know, which I'll, I'll share later on in the podcast, but... Yeah, man, I, I, I seen, you know, I tensed up and and uh, I felt the lights going out. Yeah, you know, you feel those heart palpitations. Yeah, like, I felt it in the back of my neck and I, I was like 
freak i didn't know what was going on so i was like i was sitting in my van and i was like i was alone and i was like screaming hold up hold up hold up telling myself hold up hold up what's going on trying you to know? talk yourself out of it yeah right? yeah so it, i mean fortunately you know that's about as far as it got and it kind of passed and i had to reevaluate okay what's going on and ever since then i i've noticed like um i have this my my jaw you know seem like i've seen to be grinding my teeth re, you know mm. after that happened so obviously there's a lot of a lot of anxiety, stress stuff I got to work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and these are all like, and, and they stem from doubt. So it's like mm-hmm. the after effects of it, right? The right. things are hit you. So you got the anxiety. Then you got depression. Mm. So when you're often living a life of doubt, because um, it's it's a deep-seated, rooted issue that, that happens to yeah. us. And, and these are all these, the after effects of that. And so depression, you start to feel like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm self-doubting in a lot of different areas. You know, I'm nothing. I've been told that I can't do this. I'm feeling this, so I'm depressed, and that leads to a lack of motivation. Um, you experience low self-esteem, and we could talk about that too. Emotional instability, and then there's problems with our relationships. Yep. And it also impacts our 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 faith in God or our walk with God. Right. So, because you find yourself questioning, like, okay, well, like, if you know me or if you love me, you know, why am I dealing with this? And where are you at, God? And you start throwing out all that and. I doubt you love me. I doubt you you care about me. I doubt you even know my struggle. You know, you go through all that. Yeah, and those uh, the, that that negativity starts to just really weigh you down. It's like a ton of bricks on your back. Mm-hmm. So let's start off by talking about areas in our day to day lives where we encounter doubt and wrestle with it. Um, I think a strong area of doubt that we all struggle with is self doubt, and that's a category. And self doubt to me is like that nagging inner uh, critic voice that is constantly holding you back making getting things started or finished harder than they need to be. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that a lot. And, and I want to provide an example of an area where self-doubt, and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here and just talk about some stuff that, that I've been going through. And then Mike's going to talk about some areas where he's really struggled with it and where, doubt, where self-doubt has impacted him. So I've always struggled with the idea of family. Mine was never really close uh, growing up with my father. Um, he was in the military, so he would be gone for weeks on end. And I grew up uh, going to different schools and living in different cities and countries. When we moved to the States and my father decided to retire in Cheyenne, Wyoming, our family started falling apart as their marriage crumbled and my sister and I would often be around a lot of fighting, drinking, and verbal abuse. Um, I started getting into a lot of trouble at an early age and found myself in group homes and drinking and using drugs to cope with that, right? So that's kind of like the background on um, where this started. And then when things got out of hand, I got in trouble and ended up going to juvie and my father signed me over to what is called the CHINS petition which stands for Child in Need of Services which is a court case in which the juvenile court tries to help parents and school officials deal with the troubled youth and this is where you have to where you have to file showing the judge that the child is a regular runaway consistently disobeying parental commands and misses school on a regular basis yeah i was that kid and that, that was at an early age like i was i, I remember being in a group home what, like 12 what years grade old. was that i was like 12 years old so that's okay. like some six okay seven, so started, you're a young gangster yeah you know so i was just i was just getting into it and that was stemmed from certain issues with the family and i'm going to tie this all back to my to how the never um, fitting in with the idea of family has always been an issue for me so you know with that being said um i ended up having to do some time for some crimes that i committed and on top of that 
the chins petition, they, they, they basically signed me over to the state. So even though I did my, 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 my serving time for what I, for the stuff that I did, uh-huh. I wouldn't be able to get out of the system until I was 18 and emancipated. So this really messed me up um, psychologically because I felt abandoned by my family, right? They, they, they gave me over to the state and that just really did some damage to me. And I, and I had to learn to be independent at a young age. Um, which also caused a lot of self-doubt in my early adult years as I kept being rebellious and feeling unloved. And now I know that my parents, I mean, I know that they love me. Like, don't get me wrong, my parents love me. They, they just had their stuff that they were going through and it impacted my sister and I. But I was also young and dumb, so I had to learn through a lot of, a lot of tough lessons, which impacted me well into my adult years with love. It really impacted me with love, confidence, and belonging. So... That was just some stuff that happened to me that I struggled with and self-doubt, and especially in the area of family. I don't feel like, I felt for the longest time, like I don't know how to function in a regular family environment because my family got to be dysfunctional. It fell apart. Yeah. And, and, you know, like when we eat, we never, like, and this is in my middle school years, my young adult years, like we didn't ever really sit down and have family dinners. And so when I started dating my wife now, like, her family is huge and they like to eat together but me i'm like gobble it up real quick like i don't enjoy my food i just eat and then i run off because that's just a thing that has brought to me they're like yeah. hey slow down like eat enjoy, enjoy it yeah. enjoy it right we're talking with people and i just always felt uncomfortable i've gotten over those parts of it but i still have this like burden that carries with me when it comes to family and feeling uncomfortable yeah and now now i god's helped me work through a lot of that but it's still just something that that has bothered me what about you? It's, you got any examples? I mean, as you were saying that, I just realized something about us. You and I were both uh, giving up. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> Somebody that's gave good, us up. That's good news, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, Abandoned us. <laughs> all these years, I never knew you and I were both giving up. You know, my, my mom gave us up to the state. And at the time, you know, my mom, um, she was, uh, uh, you know, a drug addict and she was going back and forth with the uh, losing us to the state, and she would get us back and everything else. But I, there came a point in time um, where she she signed over her rights to the state, mm-hmm. and for a long time, a long time, I hated my mom for that. Yeah, but you went to because foster. You were in foster homes, foster homes, right? group homes, both, both. Yeah. both. And um, I, I just I hated her for that. I didn't understand how. Somebody could love somebody and then just give them away. That abandonment. Yeah, it it hurts. It still hurts sometimes, you know. Yeah. But here's the thing. I have to say that was probably the best thing my mom could have ever done. That was such a selfless act. Even though my mom was being selfish with her, with what she was doing, me as an adult now, uh, looking back, I, man... What a what a tremendous woman to, I know it, it may seem uh, contradictive to say this, but what an amazing woman she was to make that choice. Because my mom, doubt, without a doubt, she loves all her kids. She loves us. Yeah, you know, I still talk to her. Question, is it? I still talk to her. We still have you know a relationship and everything, and and she loves us. There's no doubt about that. To 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 place a young woman in that situation. Knowing that she couldn't give up the drugs, knowing that yeah. she couldn't get clean, to decide the best thing to do was to give us a better, better chance at life. And and I'm 
I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for that because just knowing my personality and knowing the things I did growing up in a decent, like, you know, eventually we got adopted and stuff and, and, you know, that's where I found God and every, everything started from there. But just knowing the destruction, the destructive lifestyle I lived without having that influence. Mm-hmm. And I still found my way to drugs. I still found my way to, you know, being an alcoholic and stuff like that. But man, if my mom would have took us through that, I think I would probably have been, uh, most likely be dead by now or living on the streets because I'm, you know, a junkie. Well, that goes to show like the environment. The environment matters. Right. Like she, you would have been, you would have grown up around a bunch of drugs. Yep. And, and, and like for my sister and I, we just experienced a lot of fighting and a lot of hate in the household. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nights where we could remember our parents just, just fighting and and just yelling. And we're just down in the basement. Like, this is crazy. When's this going to end? And they're always drinking and, and, and granted, you know, we, we forgive. I have a great relationship with my mom. I love her. I have no doubt that my parents love me. Yeah. But, these and she makes some things. good food. She does make some good food. She cooks really good. <laughs> Sorry, thank I had you, to Mom, throw that in. Yeah, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Cook some more. Um, yeah, so the environment definitely impacts, but that can also play a role into some of the doubts and the self-doubts that you have become coming from that environment. And I know we're supposed to be like, get over it. At some point in time, you're an adult. Yeah. You're supposed to get over it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's that easy because I, I would say for, for me, I'm good at suppressing things. Right. So so I've suppressed a lot of this stuff and I, I refuse to look at it. It's like I kind of put it in a box, put it away in my heart, locked it up and wasn't going to deal with it. But the way that it manifested and now in hindsight, I understand like some of the reasons why I had dependencies on drugs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just my environment with the homies and stuff like that. There were some issues that I had that I just had I didn't have the skills to navigate to articulate that to express that so it came out in so many different ways but as an adult like I remember in my 20s and in my 30s yeah that started manifesting itself in the way that I treated my family the way that I treated my kids and the things that I did the way that I blew up and then there's all these different things that can tie back which I still don't know how to unwind all that I just know that God has helped me deal with that mm. and I'm able to move through it but I know that in other areas, it's impacted me. So yeah. what about you, though? What's an exa- I know you got an example. I, I know this is us being vulnerable. Yeah. This ain't easy to talk this, this about. I'm a, sitting here yeah. laughing, but I know that, like, damn so, stuff. So what? All right. So let's, let's, start, let's start off with, by saying this. Um, you know, doubt has always plagued my life, okay? And it's always been, it's always been that demon that I fought because... You know, like from the very beginning of my life, I wasn't supposed to be right. I was a I was a result of an affair. Uh, I was paid my uh, my my father paid for my mom to have an abortion. Right. Ouch. So I'm not supposed to be here. And the family that I was born into kind of reflected that. So right from the very beginning of my life, I doubted who I was and what I was. Like, I was never accepted. So when you grow up as a child like that, you start looking at what's wrong with you. You start doubting yourself. Like, you know, and then you, as you grow up and as I grew up, it's like, I never asked to be here. I said that a lot. I, I never asked to be here. I didn't want to be here. And that goes to the, uh, uh, you know, the depression started. Uh, manifesting itself through that. Was that um, at an early age? Yeah, yeah. 
like I can remember I can remember being five or six years old maybe even four just sitting and, and questioning life like you know suicide that's a young age you know it was heavy on me you should be concerned with playing with toys right you should be having fun but then you sit there and think like nobody wants you nobody nobody needs you nobody cares about you then you start doubting yourself as a person you know and and look i i know i'm not the only one that that goes through it and i'm not you know it's no pity party here or anything like that i'm just being honest but i was ready to, to take my life from the very beginning and I, I carried that with me all the way through adulthood until I hit, you know, rock bottom where, with my drinking and drug use, you know. I was one of those guys that was, I got to the edge before a couple times where I was going to kill myself. I got there and um, f- for fortunately, God intervened. And I, I believe I shared that story about Jeff uh, calling me when I just sent a simple text out. Yep. And um, but other times I, in my mind, when I would go out and drink and do drugs, I would do as many drugs as I could. I don't even remember where half the time where I was at. I would try to drink myself because I said, you know what? I would, I would, I'll take the coward suicide out, suicide way. I'll kill myself Overdose. slowly. Right. I'll, I'll and, and this is just me talking. So I don't mean to be offensive. And I know it's it's a touchy subject, but this is this is who I am. And I was a coward to do to not just do it. Right. That's what I was telling myself. So I would drink myself away thinking, oh, I'll just die of cirrhosis. You know, I'll be in a hospital medicated and just go. Or maybe one of these days um, I would do so much drugs, I would overdose. Or maybe one of these days because I would just go home with random people after the bar closed for the after party. I didn't even know where they lived or where I was at. You know, you're drunk, drinking and driving, and you're following people. And I would, maybe one this time would be the time where they someone decided to rob me and killed me. Being blackout drunk, too? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so that's, that, man, that, at five years old, sitting there thinking about about being worthless at five years old, that, that carried a heavy burden through my life. I doubted my, my, whole, my whole being at that time, ever, since the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it was a it was a rough start, to say the least. It led to a lot of uh, issues in my life where I didn't I was never good enough, and that was because I was self doubting myself. Um, I never because of the way I grew up, I never learned just the basic skills of of literature or math or anything, and so to kind of bring a story to recent days without growing up without you know without a dad or somebody to to teach you things you know I I didn't know I didn't know anything so um there was we did a class um my wife and I we taught recovery road last Friday and there was this thing that stuck out and it was um brokenness weakness and fear and those were the three excuses I used to run away from God. So There's many people who are doing that. Right. Yeah. And so here's three examples of where where uh I could tie that into that. And the first time is when I met my wife, right? And and I was she she asked uh we got a barbecue. Okay, I'm twenty years old. Or twenty one. I I'm twenty twenty one. Still wet behind the ears. 
And uh, she goes, let's barbecue tonight for food. And she made the patties and I seasoned them and everything. And I was like, I don't know how to turn this on. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to spark up the propane. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to turn it on. Was it propane or, or coal? Um, I think it was. It was propane because it had the igniter. But then I used the excuse like, "Oh, the the igniter is broken. Right, this button's not working." I, I probably. Too, I man. probably didn't I to, to think about it. I probably didn't even turn the the propane on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it don't work, right? And and so uh, we ended up like uh, just going. I ended up going buying you know charcoal and throwing it in there and and starting it and stuff. And um, I, I I ended up I, I I burnt the food. It's all right, right? I burnt the I burnt the I burnt the thing because like this whole time my my brothers and and everybody's like, oh, Mike's the best, a uh, good barbecue. He knows I do this and that, this and that, and. Like our barbecue at home was, uh, it was just that you just turn the knobs and click it, right? And mm-hmm. and so uh, I, it was just I didn't know how to operate that barbecue, hers or whatever. And um, so I I totally faked it. I was I I I was in my doubt. I I created fear because now I'm like, oh, this girl is she's gonna think I'm you know, not a man because I don't know how to barbecue. Right. And so that was one, uh, example. The, the next example is, um, I have a great, a great friend who I love dearly. His name's Dan. Um, he's, he's such a great man. And he, uh, he, he actually helped me go through one of the separations, uh, that my wife and I went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was that friend that, didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. He told me what I needed to hear. So I and he was t- he told me a few times to my face that I was wrong, and that I needed to you know man up and look at things from her perspective. You know he laid it out. He wasn't uh, sugarcoating anything. Good, good. So uh, I my first week or my first month uh, in this new job. This is where I met him. Right, I'm a sprinkler fitter, and um, we're we're doing this parking garage where we have to cut in these sprinkler heads underneath the garage doors, and uh, <laughs> he's yelling out all these measurements, and so I'm writing them down right, and then I go to the the machine, and I start cutting and threading all this pipe, and I'm throwing it up to him, and he's like, Mike, he's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, this is too long, and I go make another one. He's like, this is too short. He's like, what's going on with you, man? He's like, what? Why are you getting these wrong? And we had um. We had like 150 of them to do, right? So it was a lot we had to do. And he was getting frustrated and, and stuff. And so I had to, um, um, this is where my weakness showed, right? Because I, I was a weak man in my mind right now uh, in this moment. Because I, I had to look at him and tell him I don't know how to read a measuring tape. I'm 30 years old. I don't know how to read a measuring tape. And that's mm-hmm. my job is to read a measuring tape, right? And so uh, I had to be honest with him and tell him, and and then he, uh, you know, he he took me aside um, the next day, and he said, "Here, here's a tape measure that has the it has all the readings on it, you know. So it's just not the lines; it has the half quarters, eighths, and fourths, and stuff." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Don't tell anybody you have this. Don't let the other guys see this, you but just practice. Yeah, just practice and use this, right? And um, and so." You know that was uh, a weakness point because I doubt I I was like this whole time, man. No, like it's just doubt 
you know, creates other like this uh, weakness, brokenness yeah. and fear in your life. Right. So now I'll come around to this last uh, example is uh, what I shared, you know, with uh, me failing my test uh, for the third time uh, last uh, a couple weeks ago. And I had that breakdown. Mm-hmm. Right. I broke down crying, literally sobbing where my wife came in my office and was like, what is wrong? What's going on? She thought, you know, I got a phone call that my mom died or something like that. Right. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I failed. I failed my test. And I was mad. I threw my book. I, I, I text everybody. I was quitting. You know, I had the whole pity party show. Uh, and all this whole time, I kid you not, I hear in my head, you're such a loser. You don't even know how to read. You, you're stupid. Like, you're special ed. Like, all this negative stuff that I grew up my whole life uh, being told. And this this doubt, uh, black cloud just over my head pouring on me. Just, you're worthless. You're nothing. You, you can't even pass a test that you do for a living, right? I have nine years in this trade, and I can't even pass this test, and this and that. And, and so... I, I was ready to give up. I was literally ready to quit my job and start a new career. Like, that's where I was at. Like, I was done. And doubt won. Fear won. Weakness won. Brokenness won. Everything won. I was quitting. I was quitting life. And in that moment, in that moment, God said, see, do you see it now? And I stopped crying. And I was, I was like, what? He's like, do you see it? He's like, you missed it. You missed the message. And I said, I, I don't I don't see it, God. I'm sorry. What what am, what am I missing? And he said, All the tests leading up to the final, you passed easy. Eighties, seventies, and nineties. But you failed the final. What does that tell you? And I'm thinking and thinking and I I'm like, I don't know, God, what what are you trying to say to me? I don't I don't understand. And he said, You're not in your word. You're not in your books. You're not in your study guides. You don't know anything in there. You know how to find it, but you don't know it. And and he's like, this is an example of where you're at in your walk with me and where you're at in your word. And I was like, oh, dang, that's, that is true. I, I, you asked me about things in the Bible, I could find it for you. Right. You asked yeah. me things about, I could relate to the easy things in life, but when I'm faced with the final test, when I'm faced with something big that, you know, that can make or break, you, break me, I don't have the answers. I can't find it fast enough because I don't know the scriptures. And so at that moment, I was like, all right, God, I got you. I'm digging deep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my word because... Not only am, do I know the word, but it says, you know, this should be written on your heart, right? Write it on your forehead, write it on your arms, right? He just, it should be on you like that at all times. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, I just realized that I, I'm not doing a good enough job as, as a, a Christ follower that I should have, I, I should have been ready for that. I should have been in my studies. I should have been reading all that book. I should have been... That book should have been in the code book and the study guide, all that stuff. I, I should, inside and out. 
right? Because those those questions are in there. Because you passed the previous ones because you were able to research, but you right. didn't have the you didn't maintain the the comprehension because of the stuff you were learning, right? You well, just knew how to find it. True. And then check this out. They they took questions from a different pool. So all the tests that I've done before, even the finals that I've done before, they pulled questions out of the test previously. So I would, I would recognize, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. This one was different. It was they, they brought in uh, a whole new set of questions that weren't even in any of the tests. So it made you, you know, so you had to study that. Made sure you. Right. You, you, you had to know you your study. stuff, yeah. you know, so God used all of that. Open up my eyes you know, to open up everything. And the the next time, uh, I mean, sat, this last Saturday is, was my, my fourth time taking this. Yep. And taking hey, this, we got to congratulate Mike trial. Number four you passed. What <laughs> right? is it? Your, uh, it's your my test inspections, maintenance on sprinklers and fire pumps. Yep. Every, and, Congratulations. Thank man. you. It, you pulled through on that. Yeah. And, and so check this out. So I did. I got into it, you know, into the book and I, I, I got everything and I was ready to go. The previous, the highest score I got was a 52%. I got a, a 46% and then I got a 51% and then like a 52 or 53% previous to that. And so this last time, uh, Saturday when I took the test, mm-hmm. Dude, I only missed two questions. Word. Two word. questions. That's what right? I'm talking about, Mike. So, so there's a there's a scripture in in the in the Bible, right? Proverbs, I believe it's in, and it talks about a man that gets knocked down but gets up. Man, I, I lived that scripture out this last two months and taking those tests and failing them and stuff like that. And you know what's crazy? Check this out, man. You you God is so so beautiful, man. He he shows me things through ways that he knows that touch my heart. I when I failed my last test and uh when I failed it the last time and, and I had my breakdown and I was crying, you know how my daughter responded to me? She came up to me and started quoting scriptures of encouragement to me. She's nine, bro. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, dang, like, oh, all glory, all glory to God. And you're just like, it was amazing. And and she, that was one of her scriptures that she told me. And she said, you know, I, I forget off the top of my head, but it was in Proverbs, right? And it's saying like, you know, a man falls down and gets back up and is a righteous man. Or, you know, you fall down five times or six times or eight, whatever it says, right? And I got up and, and stuff. And, you know, I was like, it was amazing to see that God took my doubt in myself took my brokenness, took my weakness, took my fears, let me walk through the valley, allowed me to walk through the valley with this heavy rain of doubt on me and to see the glory at the end, to see everything just work out, mm-hmm. to have everything just be good. Like it, it's amazing, man. And it's crazy because I had my one our, our good friend uh, and our good friend of the podcast, Stefan. Mm-hmm. He prayed on me over me on Wednesday, and then um, Friday, uh, Saturday morning uh, we had the men's breakfast for Recovery Road, and Pastor Mike uh, Aviano uh, prayed. Uh, him and the guys prayed over me, and then when I was leaving the house, my wife had the women's group at the house, and all all the ladies, uh, you know, reached reached their hands out and prayed over me. So I was, and, and went in ready I went to in, go. I went in with God, and and I have to give credit to um, Rose Namanunis, right? And and 
watching her when she first got the title she, on her way walking to the thing she said uh, she kept repeating I'm a champ I'm the champ or I'm the best I'm sorry she was like I'm the best I'm the best she repeated that the whole way to the to the octagon and the whole way while she was ready for the fight right and so I remember that and so my whole like rocky <laughs> my, theme playing my, in the background. yeah yeah so my whole way to uh to to the union hall to uh to take the test i just the whole way i said i am confident i am confident i am confident and i repeated that because i i started i started getting those doubts like what if what if i fail all these people prayed for me no what for if that. what if i fail all these people are rooting for me what if i fail and as soon as i started i'm I, i'm confident I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm confident. Listening to POD, just headbanging all the way to to the union hall, saying I'm confident. I'm confident. Shouting out to God. Now let me say something. Just a real quick side note. That's something that I learned, right? Uh-huh. And how powerful words are, and how powerful just this whole this whole thing that I've learned in the last couple of weeks with with everything. And I learned this from uh, this lady. I don't remember her name, but she gets credit, not me. So um, she said. When you say I am A B C D F G, whatever you want to say, negative, right? I am ugly. I am. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not smart. I'm stupid. I am stupid. I. When you say that, you know whose attention you get when you say I am. Who's? What's God's name? Right. When you say I, I am, am. That I am. When he said. When you say I am, he looks down and says what? And you say. I am stupid and he goes what or I'm worthless and he's like, come on that's not how I created you right so now like I said when I that's where I got that I got that I am confident I got that from that lady and then from from copy and Rose Namanunas um, just her saying she's the best you know I was I was I was it was a worship I was worshiping God my whole way there with I am I am. I am confident. I am confident. I am confident. I am confident. That's all I said the whole way down there, man. And I tell you what, I passed that test. I seen all those green marks go up. I missed two questions. And I was just... Leave. Dude, so I, I, everybody knows I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. When they won the Super that Bowl... That didn't work out when I, when, well I won, when they won the Super Bowl, <laughs> I was... I was uh, dude, this felt better than that. This was way above that. Wow, like, I hope so. You know, That's a football like, game. This no, the, the, the way I celebrated. I was running down the hall screaming, and, and my, my teacher and I were hugging and clapping, you know, high five. And I was like, because he been through it with me, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, look, what's the moral of the story, right? What, what did God teach me through all this? That my failures were for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? God uses all. He says that. God uses all the good and the bad to glorify his name. And for him to use that, for me to glorify him, for him to use that to, to uh, show me where my daughter's heart at uh, and with him. She's in her scriptures. Obviously, she knows. You know, her first reaction is to go to the Bible, you know, to go to God when she sees someone hurting that she loves. Um, for me to learn that, um, that he is, I am, right? Um, to have confidence in myself, like this whole process that um, the doubt failed, doubt didn't win, right? My brokenness, my my weakness, and my fears didn't win, and and all glory to God for that. 
Yes, amen, and congratulations, congratulations. So, I, I know how you felt, so you were telling me all about that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, for you, and man. you know what, man, I have to give, I have to give a personal shout out to my wife because, um, you know, she was championing me the whole way. She told me I was gonna pass. She, she, she had my back. Yeah. You know, she, I, I gained a lot of confidence when. See, you women out there, you wives, you don't understand when you look at your husband and you tell him he's great. Build us up. He's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And when my wife looked at me and she told me that I was going to pass, I knew I was going to pass. You know, so words they matter. Are, are very important. Yes, definitely. Amen, man. So, I mean, there's a lot of other areas self-doubt can mess you up as well. And what you were talking about was those limiting beliefs. It's like... Because of my environment, the way I grew up, this this thought, I cannot, doubt sets in. And you start living and believing these limited beliefs, and they become part of you. And you gave a good example of that when you're talking about growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. That's a limiting belief. Yeah. And then the environment. Another one is your bad environments. Your environment shapes so much of who you are, the things that you've grown up around, the things that you've seen, the words that are spoken into your life. Yeah. You could tell the difference. You know, you know it's visible to you when you're in a toxic environment. It hurts. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's traumatizing. And you know when you're in an uplifting environment because you feel the positivity of that. It makes you feel good inside. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're being built up. The, also, the other area is the being inexperienced. Yeah. Like, I don't have the confidence to do this. Oftentimes, we see that when we go to work. Mm-hmm. And you're asked to take on a new task. Like when I first stepped into a leadership role at work, I was I didn't have leadership experience. I had the confidence that I could do my job, but I was I started doubting, like, well, you don't have that experience. How are you going to reach these outcomes? How are you going to to manage a staff? You don't have that experience. And nor do you have that any that kind of skill. And I was I was struggling to believe in myself in that area. Yeah. And also the education. I've always battled. This is an area that that gets me because I I struggled throughout school. Like I was smart enough to get things, but I kept getting kicked out of classes. I got kicked out of middle school. I kept getting in trouble. So even though I had the ability to learn, I just couldn't stick it out because I think my ADD and everything else drove me crazy about that. (laughs) But when I got into the workforce, this was something that I felt inferior at because most people around me are highly higher educated than I am. I mean, I only went to college because, you know, I was I was talking to some girl and, and some Jerry Springer commercial, you know, Jerry Springer was on and in, in between it came on this college commercial, like attend this Cambridge College or Westbrook, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. she was like, you should go to that. And I'm like, I should, huh? And it was a tech college. Okay. Like, I know nothing about computers. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll go. Yeah. And then lucky I did go because... Lord willing, I met my wife there. Okay. My career, I met Jess in college. But, but I went on a whim, like not knowing anything. I was just like, okay, I'll go, you know, check it out. And I was like, oh, I can probably make some money. And I did college so wrong. And that's a regret yeah. that I have in my life. Yeah. But even at work now, like I'm the one who has an associate's and everybody else has got bachelor's and master's degrees. And I've always fought that battle every time I went to work because mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy working in an office, right? I'm, I like business. To me, that's where I thrive. Other folks like working with their hands and building stuff. I like being in a business environment. Yeah. And it's always about education. 
And I'm like, okay, this person I'm working with went to Harvard. This person graduated from CU. And I always felt like, man, I'm uneducated. So I was like, for me, I'm like. I, I went to Red Rocks. <laughs> see? But I'm like, I'm going to outwork you. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. my, that's my attitude. Is like when I, when I internalize that, I, I always have I'm right. a stiff competition with myself. But it, it always made me feel some type of way. Like, oh, because you don't have that, that BA, that bachelor's, you're inferior to everybody else who went to these prestigious colleges. So that to me was sort of like a pain point, mm. but I never let that um, I never let that hold me down. Even though it got to me, because I'm like, you know what, invest in myself, and I became somebody who had a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So those are some ways that I overcame it. But that was always a pain point for me. It's like I'm not smart enough. I don't belong here with yeah. these people who are highly educated, who have gone to these prestigious colleges. Here I am. I'm, I barely made it out of college. I did it wrong. I got a bunch of student loan debt. So I was really that really impacted me. But there's also the financial. Mm -hmm. And I may have said this before, but I, I I didn't learn like money is taboo subject in my household. Like my parents always fought over it. Um, I think they got divorced over. It. I think that's probably the main reason they got divorced um, when I was in, when I was in juvie. Money was something that I never felt like I had a problem making. Yeah, I just could never keep it. And then one time when I got let go from a job. I started spending like crazy out of depression, right? I got fired from a job and I went into this depression and I started realizing like, I don't know how to manage money. And that made me feel like less of a man. I felt like I should understand basic budgeting and everything else. The only thing I knew how to do was make money and let it burn a hole in my pocket. Yeah. And so I was, I was going through this depressive state and I had these limiting beliefs about my, my current employment situation and my insufficiencies as a man, understanding some basic financial literacy stuff. And I asked a friend to teach me how to manage, you know, like, hey, how do you manage this money? Like, I, I keep burning, it's causing a rift in my relationship with my wife. And I humbled myself and asked somebody to help me with that. And I started learning and investing in understanding financial literacy. But again, Limiting beliefs and self-doubt told me that I'm not good with money. I don't know how to manage it. I'm still I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> and, and careers are other areas. So there's all these different areas. And you know what? I want to get back to get us back on track here. But I found an article while doing some research for this podcast on 10 ways to free yourself from self-doubt, where the author talks about healthy self-doubt versus unhealthy self-doubt and provided a few general principles to keep in mind that I wanted to share with everyone on identifying unhealthy self-doubt. Check this out. If self-doubt is always your first reaction, it's probably unhealthy. Hmm. How many times has that happened to you where you're like, okay, here's a problem that popped up. Something broke, an appliance broke in the house. Oh, I don't have the skills to do that. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not even a man. I'm not Tim the two-man tailor over here. I'm struggling. How do I do this? YouTube, tell me how to do this. I don't feel like a man right now. And you just start... You just start thinking the worst case scenario because mm -hmm. something happened. Another one is if self-doubt shows up in many or all areas of your life, it's probably unhealthy. If you're constantly um, living your life where there's drama, self-doubt, every time your wife speaks to you, every time an employer corrects you, anytime somebody says something that you don't agree with, you start doubting yourself, that may be a sign that it's unhealthy in your life. If self-doubt is persistent or sticky and you have a hard time managing it or moving your attention off of it, it's probably unhealthy. And you just gave an example of the opposite of that. You're like, I, I'm confident. I'm confident I can do right. that. We're supposed to, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I don't have the skills to do this. I'm nobody. That is an area that shows that it's unhealthy. Okay? If you frequently regret decisions you made because of your self-doubt, it's probably unhealthy. 
If your self-doubt gets in the way of your important relationships in your life, it's probably unhealthy. And the last one is, if self-doubt has a major impact on your ability to do focus and do your work well, it's probably unhealthy. Mm. I could check all of those boxes off. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes all in one month, in one day, I can check them all off. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. Now, we've talked about some ways that it's unhealthy. Let's talk about some areas where you can focus on overcoming your self-doubt. And this one I'm going to aim towards those of us who are Jesus followers and your believers. And it says in Proverbs um, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Mm. So it goes deep. That does go deep. And the second one, this is something that we were talking about. It's be mindful of your self-talk or your thinking. Yeah. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. When those negative thoughts start entering your mind, focus on holding those thoughts captive against God's word. Also consider how thinking more positively can shift your mindset and attitude while giving you some confidence. This practice, um, I hate that because so as somebody who struggled with anxiety, uh-huh. you know, when, when I start ruminating on things or something's not going right, it's, it's constantly inside. It, it's, it's just a constant nagging reminder of how I'm treating myself. Hey, David, you failed at this. You're nobody. Hey, David, how could you act that way in your household? You're not a true Christian. Hey, David, why could, how could you treat somebody like this? You're not representing. Hey, David, why did you spend all your money? You're not financially savvy. So there's all these things that we have to be mindful about when we're talking to yourself. Mm. God created you. Remember that. He didn't create you to be down on yourself. He created you to worship him and to grow and to follow Jesus. And so self-talk is important and you need to start finding ways to treat yourself better. If you don't talk to your wife that way, why would you talk to your sister? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was backwards. <laughs> if you don't talk to your wife that way, why would you talk to yourself that way? Right. If you don't talk to your mom that way, why would you talk to yourself that way? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so learn to love yourself. That was uh, um, one of the... Conf- I, had, I, had to, I had to confess something recently. And this this was all in that that meltdown that I had. I had to tell my wife something that I've never told. Nobody really knows. Nobody knows. And I was a special ed kid. I was in special ed classes uh-huh. uh, all the way through high school, all the way up to high school. And so, because she was like, "What what is wrong with you? Like, how can you not?" Like she was questioning, and I was like, and I had to tell her, "I'm like, well, I I don't I don't know how to read, like I should." And, you know, I was in special ed classes and those kids, they just kind of pass through, you know, they're just there, you know, they, they, they try to make them less of a, uh, they try to make us, uh, less of a burden, um, than anything. Right. But that was something that I carried with me and that, that luggage, uh, came with doubt. So when it came to an identity, yeah. And so when it came to the education part or the self-reflection part, you know, 
not knowing how to read like everybody else does, you know, and not knowing and coming from special ed, you know, not really knowing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a very intelligent person. Like, it, it, this is the way I think is being in those classes and, and not knowing how to read. I learned how to read by not knowing how to read. And, and so, you know, it's, That's interesting. right. So my brain started making these pathways uh, to how to help me figure out how to read. So what I would do is when I was in class and, you know, you, everybody pulls the book out and, you you know, there's five kids in front of you. So you're the sixth line. Right. So what I would do is I would count the lines and I would see my lines and then I would w- watch what uh, what the kid, other kids were reading. And if there was a word in that line that I didn't know, I would hope that it was in the other lines. And so when the other kids said it, I would know it. That's pretty So, smart. you know, and I covered my, my reading, uh, my reading, not knowing how to read up by doing that. And I'd also, uh, if I was like in the front, I would try to, to listen to the story to kind of create what the next line is going to say, because I don't know, I didn't know how to read like in a story setting. I just knew random words and stuff like that. So I, I learned how to read by not knowing how to read. All right, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Hey, at least you figured out how to get it done. Yeah. So let's look at this. Number three, though. This is one where I think everyone struggles, and that's try not to compare yourself to other people. Mm. We all have different starting points in life, and I've heard it said that comparison is the theft of joy. It's a losing battle, and it's damaging to your mental health. I, I try not to do this anymore. And, I, and, and that all stemmed from the social media thing. And we talked about that on the previous podcast. But when you start comparing yourself to other people, it's never going to end. No. Think about it. There's always somebody who is smarter than you, more yep. smarter, right? Richer than you, more spiritual than you, right? More spiritually mature than you. Yep. Somebody who is stronger than you. So there's all these different areas where there's always somebody who's going to be better. It's, it's, it's like a losing, it's a losing battle. It's also an illusion. Yes. To keeping up with the Joneses. You don't know what the Joneses are going through. Yeah. And also, I believe that, you know, if you're going to look at somebody and you're going to try to measure yourself against them, you also got to make sure that you can walk in their shoes mm. and do what they did to get, to there. get there, right? Nice. You don't know what that person has gone through to get where they're at. Right. And also, you don't know if they're faking the funk either. <laughs> you don't know if you're talking to Mike. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know, right? <laughs> you, don't you don't know, know. what Mike's doing in the back <laughs> end over there. You don't know. You don't know how hard I'm working to act like I know how to read. Because <laughs> yeah, we all... We, we always present the best of ourselves. Yeah. We don't, we don't want nobody to see our weaknesses in the areas that we yeah. see. It takes a lot of vulnerability to do that, but you want to look good. And, and that's why I say it's a, it's a losing battle. But think of what it does to your mental. Yeah. It really damages you. Like, hey, that person's got a nice truck. I wish I had a nice truck. Oh, they're always getting promoted. I wish I was doing that. What am I going to do to get that? When's my going to be my turn? So you're just chasing. You're like, a, you're like a dog chasing his tail if you're comparing yourself to people. Right. Okay, and number four, think about your past accomplishments. That's deep. I want I want you to sit on that. Think about the, your past accomplishments and the things that God has brought you through. Mm. When you start doubting yourself, God has brought us through a lot. I know that when I when I when I start to think that I'm a failure, and even when I start doubting my faith, and we're going to talk about faith here in a little bit, I like to think about well, what has God brought me through? Like when I was depressed, did God bring me out of that? Yes, He did. And I give all credit to God because I wouldn't be out of a depression if it wasn't for God. Did you overcome certain circumstances? 
like learning how to read. You learned how to read and you figured out how to do that eventually. I've overcame so many different battles in my life. You know, I've always been on my own trying to take care of myself. I learned how to do a lot of stuff. And when I when I start feeling like I'm insufficient, I start looking back on all those battles and all those times that God has delivered me. And I also look at my personal accomplishments in most areas. You know, when I'm I can honestly say in most of my jobs, I've always been promoted within a year hmm. because I bring that work ethic. So when I'm feeling like I'm not doing good where I'm currently at, I just look back and say, you know what? You've overcame this. You've learned this skill. You failed in this area, but you learned the lesson and you keep moving on. And, and it's important for you to look back and say, what have I accomplished in the past to help me get my mind right for what I am capable of doing in the future? Mm-hmm. Now, number five, and this is something that we talked about in our last podcast as well. Keep a journal. Keep a record. I don't care whether that's on your phone or, or in a notebook or even if you got a piece of paper that you just pull out and you're just writing on it daily, okay? Um, keep a record of your thoughts and you will be able to observe your, your shift in your mindset over time. And that's why I keep saying it's powerful. This is not just you talking about your feelings. This is about you putting a record down of your, of your thoughts, your experiences, your life. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to go back, and if you have a process of reviewing that, you go back and you can look at, at this month and you can say, during this month, I struggled with doubt. I was fighting with my wife and she told me I was less of a man because I didn't know how to do something. And, and because of that, I started learning how to do certain things and I leveled up in that area mm-hmm. and I overcame that. And so when I start feeling less of a man because I can't do something around the house now, I can go back and look and say, oh, well, you know what? I see this is where this event happened, and I remember how it made me feel. I remember the actions that I took, and I can record my journey through that by looking back at a personal record such as a journal. Hmm. Okay? That's really good. And, you know, while you're saying all all this stuff, I'm, I'm recapping in my mind, like, uh, a lot of stuff. And one of the things I found uh, a, a while ago was uh, I started saying this to myself, and I, I, I always told my kids this, too, is that, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yep. You know, so I started, uh, this is what, you know, God had really started working on, on my identity and stuff because obviously I struggled with that and trying to fit in and everything else. And, you know, I never did. And, and so um, all the things that I wanted to be, I would look at people and be like, wonder how they got it and then realize that I wasn't smart enough to do it. So that's where that doubt set in and then and, and not having the, the guts to to take the steps to go the same way the way that they went to get what they were doing right mm-hmm. and so i started uh i started just saying that you know like i started looking at at at, at man in my life like okay he has that what is he doing i want to hang around him to to feed off and ask questions and stuff like that and then it turned into like when when my walk became stronger in christ i started looking at uh, the type of man, type of man I wanted to be, and so I started surrounding myself with the man exactly. that I wanted to mimic. So, one, you know, one of the men is um, Johnny from. He's the president of the Christian Writers with the guys I ride with. I wanted to pray like him, so I took that from him, and I seen him every every. You you see Johnny anywhere, and you, you tell him you have a problem or something's wrong. 
his first thing is like, let's pray. And he, wherever, it doesn't matter where you're at, you're praying right there. And then I wanted that, I wanted that, um, you that, be that confidence. Kind of a man. Yeah, I wanted to be that kind of man. I wanted to be confident. I wanted to learn how to pray. So uh, I took that from him. The love and, and care got that from Jeff. And then, um, you know, just the way he's always, always present when he's speaking to you, you know, always mm-hmm. just a, a genuine uh, person, you know, and just he's always, uh, he, he welcome he takes care of people. And I want, I want to be like that, you know, so, and he, he's a, a great man in, in his marriage and uh, he's a leader at, at church, you know, and those are the things I strive for. I want to be smart. And so I started hanging out with David, with you. <laughs> so you know I, I took i took the uh you know because I, I really wanted to start journaling and i really wanted to start um my passion for electronics and phones and tablets and stuff like i have a i just have a i'm a degenerate when it comes to it but i just don't know how to put them in practice and well you that's what you do for I a love, living so, I love productivity so yeah so i i took that from you and that's one of the things i think uh, if you, when you have doubt in areas, find the person you want to be like and start hanging around people like that. Yep. And that's number six. And that's number six. You find some support and talk to others who can give you good counsel. Proverbs chapter one, verse five says, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. And I like that. It's like, like you were saying, like we take bits and pieces from people that we admire and things that we want to learn. But you would never have exposure to that if you would never put yourself out there and in front of those people. And some of us have too much pride to be in the room with people who are doing better than us. Right. We rather we rather be around people who are doing worse than us. So that way we could feel good. Yeah, and they that's they not the path to growth. Yeah, they lift us up instead of us, you know, looking up to try to get better. Exactly. And then you take the different components because there's some of value that I learn from everybody that I hang around with. And I'll take that, and I and I try to learn to that, and I try to learn from everyone that I'm with. And if you can change your mindset and humble yourself enough to to look at people or to surround yourself with people who add value into mm. your lives, your life will change. Because you can't be around five people who are serving God, who want to honor God, and who are in that growth process. People who are working on their businesses. People who are trying to be better men or women or women in their areas, people who are just generally trying to better themselves as a byproduct of that, you are going to grow yourself. Mm. So surround yourself with those people. And in our previous episode, we talked a lot about habits. And here's, get this, Mike. I I was reading an article and it was talking about that, but the guy said, and self-doubt is a habit. It's not permanent. It's something that, that you've learned so you can unlearn that. And it comes through a bunch of series of bad habits. So when you talk to yourself, you find certain circumstances, just like any habit. I love, I love learning new things like this. And if you look at self-doubt as a habit, all the practices that you were doing to get there, well, just like other habits, you can implement new ones to help you get out of there. Hmm. And I found that to be very powerful. Yeah, that is. That's right? So we cool. think of that as a trait. It's something I'm that's something that I am. You, aden- you identify you identify it. it as that. But it's a habit. So you can learn to put in habits that replace the bad habit of talking to yourself negatively, of being around in a certain environment. Um, there's certain things that you can do to get out of there. So self-doubt is not permanent. And we encourage you to start being proactive to free yourself from it through prayer, 
support, and learning to overcome this bad habit with better habits. With that said, we're going to take a break. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land and beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got to, into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22-33. Welcome back. Mike, I love the telling of this event, because when we look at the setting before Peter walks on the water, they recently finished feeding the 5,000 with only five loaves of bread and two fish. So keep that in mind when it comes to talking about doubting your faith. When I think about it, talk about doubting. This dude, Peter, um, he, he just watched Jesus multiply some of some food. He just yeah. watched Jesus literally just multiply, multiply five loaves of bread and two fish. And basically witnessing that miracle turned around and doubted as soon as times got tough on the water. So does this sound familiar to all of you who are listening? How often do we do this in our own lives where it's like something positive just happened and, and, and I'm talking about our faith. It's like, God just delivered me from something and then tomorrow, oh my God, why am I even a Christian? Why is this even happening? <laughs> like God does not love me. He hates me. You know, everybody's out to get me. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it was just like a day before he just made something you know, something just happened that you knew that you could thank God for. And then the next minute you turn around, and you doubt him. That happens all the time. Now, when, when our safety net and supports all crumble, we often get mad at God or question our faith when bad things happen to us rather than keeping our eyes on the Lord. And that is something that happened with Jesus. I think that that's a natural response is for us to, to, to consistently doubt in our faith. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't do that. I think you have to get to a certain level of maturity in your walk with God yeah. to where you're not flipping back and forth on your faith and your belief in Jesus. Yeah, and I think that goes, I mean, it goes to show like you need to, you need to draw the line in the sand when it, when it comes to that. Like that's my, that's my thing and that's what I did and that's what I do. But I, I think if you look back uh, throughout the whole Bible, you see that doubt, and uh, the, the Israelites throughout the whole way. Oh, yeah. You see that in every character yeah. in the Bible. And, and it's like they just seen 
the C split and they're like, you leaving us out? Like they, then after that, they, Moses, you know, came down and they made a calf, a golden calf. Right. You know, cause they're like, oh God left. They're like, what? I, I you know, it Fall just. in a cloud of fire. And right. <laughs> you, you, you see there, you talk to God and you're still mad. Like he ain't going to deliver you. Yeah. And where you could leave us, we're walking out here starving and you're never going to, you know, it's, it's, it's been from, uh, from day one. And to know, just to know that that God loves you, and He created you. For me, this is one of the things I lean on all the time when I find myself forgetting God's um, uh, grace and the things that He pulled me through, and just seeing that the things that I'm uh, looking at the valley, being being distracted with, by which by with. The stuff that's in the valley, you tend to forget uh, God, and you start cursing Him and, and and blaming Him for for everything going wrong in your life, right? For real, man. I mean, I'm ashamed of how many times things go wrong and how fast I am to blame God for it, even if it's my fault. Yeah. Even when it's my fault, I'll be blaming God for stuff, man. And you know, you know what's crazy too? I, I want to point this out, and everybody gets hard. And like, oh, Peter, I can't believe you You started doubting on, you're walking on water and Jesus is, hey, remember this. There was 11 other dudes on that boat that were uh, going through the same storm. You know, he took, he's the one that took the step of faith. So just always remember that. Yeah, that's true. Good point. And I think it's it's crazy. Like I'll even allow those times when I'm when I'm questioning my faith or when I'm questioning God. I don't, maybe I'm just a weirdo. But when, when, when things go wrong and I start to blame God for it, like I find myself and I'm isolated because nobody's around. Otherwise, they'd probably put me in a cycle ward or something like that. Like I feel like I'm having a yelling match and I'm like you literally just yelling with God. Like, I can't believe you allowed this to happen to me. Why did you let me do that? I can't believe you're not there for me. Why did this happen, right? And then I'm like, and as a result of that, I'm not going to church the next Sunday. And then I'm not, I'm going weeks without engaging in his word or even listening to sermons. And I'm just like, I'm mad at you. Like you're turning my back on God. And, and, it, and hey, it can be petty, very petty. But we, we, we get like that sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. Like I, I just sometimes be like so mad and like I can't believe it. And, and in reality, I'm mad at myself. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I'm using God as a scapegoat here, and, which is crazy just when you think about it. But I know I can't be the only one who gets weird like that. No, you know, and you're using God to get away from God. Is what exactly. is what you're it's doing. Like, no, you're not. You're not there for me. You don't exist. And I'm thinking he's some kind of magic genie where I can just kind of rub my Bible and up pops God, ready to grab my wishes <laughs> and, and, and change me from the inside out in a heartbeat. And so, yeah, that's funny. It just cracks me up. But this is an interesting story. So what about those times, like in verses 27 and 28? Where after the disciples were terrified seeing Jesus walk on water, and immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Look at that. There's the, everybody was terrified. And you see Jesus walking on water. So right there, you're already seeing something that you don't see every day. They recognize that it's Jesus. And then he's like, Hey, don't be afraid take heart it's me mm-hmm. everything's cool and then peter's like you know what lord if if you're god do this for me or can i do this command me to come to you on the water and he did that and what, what i looked at this as mike is i seem like we all have a calling or a prompt to do something for the kingdom of heaven and we want to answer that call 
And then we start to doubt ourselves and never take action. So mm -hmm. Peter did, he, he got out, he's like, you know what? And, and, and I can only imagine like the waves are crashing, the winds are blowing, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy scenario. And he's getting out, he's like, all right, I, I just saw you, Jesus, a moment ago, turn five loaves of bread and two fish and feed <clears> a thousand people. You know what I mean? 5,000 people, sorry. And then, so because of that, I know that you can do something. I, I've been walking with you, I, I have witnessed what you can do. I'm gonna step out on faith, okay? I'm gonna answer this calling. All right, so I step out in the boat and I'm like, all right, this water feels kind of cool. Look at me, I'm walking on water. I'm with Jesus over here. My eyes are fixed on you. But then all of a sudden it's like, let me look around. The waves are crashing, the winds are blowing, maybe the lightning is going. And now you're freaking out. And because you took your eyes off of Jesus, you start to sink. I, I was reading that and I'm thinking like, okay, like this happens, this has happened to me before. It's like, I feel like God is saying, hey, be part of this ministry, start this podcast, or step out and talk to somebody about your faith. Show up, Yeah. go do something, right? And it's like, yeah, you know what, God, I'm in my moment. I just listened to some worship music and I'm feeling it. I'm like, I did my Bible study this morning, I'm on fire. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Somebody's not showing up to help me. Somebody didn't bring the materials. Somebody didn't bring something for us to do this outreach. Or it's starting to get hard. I, you know, I had this all in my mind. We're setting up this event. I've got, uh, I've got all the materials. It's gonna be awesome, we're prepared. Nobody's showing up or somebody's complaining and now that's ruining the vibe and I'm throwing off my thing. I don't wanna do this anymore. God ain't here, he ain't with us. And now, <laughs> I wanna, now I'm starting to sink, right? And yeah, then the Lord is yeah. like, hey, What's going on with you? I'm right here. Yeah. It, I, I want to point out two things in that story that, that really stand out to me mm -hmm. uh, that I, I it's important to note. That first off, he, Peter, called out to, to Jesus and he told him, if that's you, tell me to come out and I will. And he said, come. Now, if you if you think about that, and, and this is what was going through my mind, what if that was a demon, and or what if that was a ghost, or whatever they want to say, sea you know? monster. Yeah, and and he and and he said, "Come." Would he still go out? Would he? And here, here's where I'm getting at: is Peter knew Christ's voice. He knew him. My sheep hear my voice. Right. Exactly. You know. So that's very important to 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 re to realize is that it could have been a ghost it could have been anything and, and let's say it was he was so in tune with christ that he knew his voice mm -hmm. so when he said to come out of the boat he did it with his eyes fixed on him on jesus That's right the key part so his eyes are fixed on jesus he heard his voice he's going toward him then the wind and everything else and he took his eyes off him and looked at the water and then started to sink but i think it's very important to realize that how in tuned are you if God calls you, are you going to know his voice? Yeah. You know, are you going to take that step of faith? Well, that's part of it, right? Yeah. It's just like you don't know the outcome. You're just stepping out into uncertainty. We definitely are. And in, in, in a lot of things that we do, we're stepping out in uncertainty. Yeah, you don't know when you get we, in your car to go to work if you're going to get in an accident or not, do you? Exactly. But you still go. Yeah. And, 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 and knowing the Father's voice in any uncertainty... You you hear his voice. You know him. You're gonna go. You you get you. That's where your faith gets put into action. In regards, yeah, he he looked like all of us would have. 
How could you not be scared? You're walking right. on water. The in, reality, in the, storm. the reality sets in that you are doing something unnatural, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, and it are something that doesn't seem like it should be. Like when God blesses you with things, or when He shows you grace, you're like, I that shouldn't have never happened. Like I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I'm where I'm at. Then you start looking around, like this is this can't be real. This can't be true. Mm-hmm. No, then I the doubt agree. sets in, right? It, it does. And- so what do you think? Uh, there's a couple, some more other lessons that we could take from this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when we're looking at it in, in, in the context, like what did Jesus do at the beginning? Jesus, and I think it's important that we make room to spend time with God when you're struggling with your faith and when you're in that doubting season. Because in this story, Jesus sent the disciples away and then he went to the mountainside to pray and be alone. And I, I found this when I had a breakdown recently, a couple weeks ago when I had my breakdown. <laughs> Being alone, as frightening as it was when you're going through like a breakdown and when you're feeling like you're not mentally healthy, the last thing you want to do is be with yourself and with your thoughts. But because I know who I belong to, right? I know his voice. And when I know when I'm going through something, for me, when I get that alone time and I'm feeling that way, it gives me a chance and an opportunity to wrestle with the word. Now, that's why I love that word, wrestling with scripture. And I get to call on Jesus and I get to look at stuff and I can sit there and say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm by myself. I'm I'm vulnerable. I can get prostrate, right? I can get down on my knees. And you know, that's a sign, right? When you have submission, when you get down on your knees, you put your head down to the ground, you're at your lowest point. And that's submitting. I can get down and I can submit to God and say, look, God, I'm struggling with this and I need some help. And I can sit there and, and, and just have that conversation and pray and talk to God about what's going on inside of my heart. I can cry out to him. As a result of that, I start taking action and start listening, starting to read, trying to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm being proactive. I'm not just sitting there um, pouring out my heart. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like, hey, how can, like, God, I, I need you right now. Come to me. And how, what do I need to do? What steps or what can you do to help me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on you. Another area is just like you were saying, keeping your eyes on Jesus. There has to be a level of faith in order for you to step out of your comfort zone. And I love, and I love that the Bible gives us these examples. Because I feel like in church culture, if you lack faith, there's something wrong with you. If you doubt your faith, there's something wrong with you. I'm by no means a Bible scholar. I'm just a guy trying to learn how to follow God through reading his word. Right. So when I'm reading this and I'm, I'm going through it, I'm like, hey, how come none of these apostles and how come none of these prophets are perfect? You know what I mean? I'm looking at them and they're flawed as hell. Like yeah. there's something wrong with them. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, why did he do that? Yeah. Why is Jonah running? Like he knows who God is. Why is he running? He swallowed him up in a whale, spit him out on a beach. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so... I'm looking at that and it just kind of, it gives me encouragement because I know that I'm a person and I'm supposed to fail, but I, but I don't know, I don't know what it is about our culture in, in Christianity that doesn't leave room for you to wrestle with your faith. I Mm. I think that's a healthy thing. And that's a good point to, to bring up, you know, like that, that to me is always bothering me. I understand that there's there's a healthy way to wrestle with your faith and an unhealthy way to wrestle with your faith. Yeah. But it seems like it doesn't, it just seems like there's something off with the culture. Now, number three, Mike, and this is, this is crazy because this ties with the story. And, and this is what I heard from a pastor. And he said that 
your storm is under Jesus' feet and that the command to calm the storm is in Jesus' hands. Your storm on the boat is under Jesus' feet. Hmm. He's got it. We have to realign our mindset to remember who it is that we serve. And he's bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our doubts and fears. Yeah. And we have to keep our eyes laser focused on him. And when, he, when, I, when I heard this pastor say that your storm is under Jesus' feet in the context of, of, of this chapter in Matthew, it blew me away. Like he has the power to calm the storm when you keep your eyes fixed on him. And, and when you're also making room to spend time with God. Yeah. So, Mike, what do you think are some things that, um, that we can do when we or somebody we know start to struggle with their faith? I think you and I are a prime example of that, right? Definitely. Because I think there was a, a conversation that was that was had when you were in that situation. Look, if you're struggling with your faith and you're doubting who you are or what you believe, ask somebody. Yeah. Open up open up that conversation with somebody that that you respect, that you care, you know, like you and I, we've been friends for over 10 years easily, you know, yeah. like we've been in and out of church together and uh, and everything, and I, I think that um, you felt comfortable enough to open up to me about that, and so we had that conversation, and and thankfully, I was in a place where God's grace was just, and blessings were, I, I where I came from to where I was at at that moment, and in that place, there wasn't anything that I could say that wasn't the truth because it was all facts and right there in front of me. Like I couldn't right. deny the fact that God gave me grace. I couldn't deny the fact that God had blessed uh, my wife and my family the way he did and, and where we're at. And through and everything it, that it was, been through. yeah. And everything, yeah. It, it was so real. And, and that, that's the thing. I always try to try to remember the people that I came across going through my journey that, that questioned their faith. Mm-hmm. Because I, I still want to pray for them, I, you know. I, I still have a heart for them. I still believe that God can reach them. Uh, but when you're when you're at that place, man, I mean, I think you out of anybody has a good uh, a good st- uh, good advice to to give on that. Yeah, I specifically remember what that place was like. It's because it's you know we like, again we've been going to church for a long time and we're still struggling with this. I think there's uh, there's a point. And I think it's a dark place. I think the, the longer you've had a relationship with, with Jesus, and then when you start to, to give in to the doubts, yeah. when you start, it's not just, I'm, I'm questioning my faith. It's when you actively start, que- when you're actively like trying to disengage with your faith. Like when you've come in your head, you're like, I don't believe in God. And then I'm starting to find things that support my pursuit of not believing in God. Yeah. I'm listening to people who don't believe in God. I'm watching things that 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 disprove that there is, you know, that God exists. I'm actively pursuing me leaving my faith. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of saying, "Lord, help me. I'm I'm wrestling with this scripture." Right? We we talked about that even in our first podcast. Yeah. Think about that example. Um what what was our first podcast episode? It was on turning Turn, the cheek. Yep, turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek. And and I think for most people that that's a tough thing to do. If think if somebody 
outside of the context of what that was written in. But when we say turn the other cheek and how people try to condemn you with that, they're yeah. like, yeah, you're not supposed to talk back and be mean to people or hit somebody back. Yeah. And you're like, who the hell can do that? <laughs> you're like, a Christian, don't. You cross that line, man. You know, I'm, 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 I'm saved, nah. not weak. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and, and so, so th- that plays a role in, in terms of you, you question your faith and being at that place. And, and if you don't have anybody around you to speak truth and life into you, God's truth and life into mm-hmm. you, I think the enemy, and I, I, and I use this lightly, I don't always like bring up the devil and everything like that, but I think you open that door for a spiritual attack because, one, you've been exposed to the truth and you know it. Yeah. And now you're actively trying to disengage that. So I think there's a, I think there's a spiritual attack, some spiritual warfare that goes on there. You're going to have to wrestle with that piece of it. But yeah, I'm like, I understand what that's like. And that that's why I'm that's why I like number one, I don't I don't try to condemn people who are doubting their faith. I, I can show empathy because you know what? I've been there. You've right, been there. Right. We've been there. So when people do that, I'm not like, yeah, man, what's wrong with you? You're not a true Christian. How why are you doubting your faith? Why are you going through this struggle? Do you not have enough faith? Maybe that's your problem. And and I find that to be wrong when we condemn ourselves when you condemn yourself and others. Yeah, and, and I think if, I mean, that could go on a couple of different levels. But for me, kind of the way I see it is as a Christian, and the longer you go through your walk with Christ and the more you know, you a lot of people tend to not take caution to Pharisee, right? To become a you Pharisee. You want to be a hypocrite. Right. And so you, you walk that line. And so when you see someone in the same sin that you used to dabble dabble in, or you see someone doubting their faith as you once have, you start throwing stones, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a reflection of who you were, and it's a reminder. But that's, to me, that, I mean, obviously, that's wrong, because, you know, God has given you a testimony to reach those people, not to condemn them. So, I I mean, I think some people, they walk that line, and, and they get scared, that um, it's a reflection of who they used to be. Yeah, and we don't like that. Nah. You don't like nah, that. Nah, I don't. And you see that in other people. So instead of just showing some grace and then being there for them, comforting them, and building them up, I found it helpful. Somebody's like, you know what? I, I struggled with that. I struggled turning the other cheek. I struggled with the, with uh, when when in the Bible God said to wipe out this whole nation and this whole community. And how could <laughs> God do that, right? You read yeah. the Old Testament, you're just kind of like, what the heck is going on in here? <laughs> you know, what? Why is why are all these people getting wiped out and kids, women, and children? And and even that sometimes it could be like I'm struggling intellectually, where it's an evolution versus creation thing. So there's all these different kinds of uh, areas where you could start questioning your faith. Mm-hmm. But what we're encouraging you to do is be rooted in that. And that's the second point is that it's okay for you to embrace the tension of doubt. Doubt is uncomfortable. We've said that. But don't ignore it and allow the doubt and tension to draw to not draw you closer to God through prayer and diving into Scripture. If, if you've been walking in the faith for a while, I'm not talking about somebody who's new because when somebody's new, they're going to have all these questions. When you start running into things that make you question your faith, whether that's, you, you know, whether that's a professor in your college um, a friend who's just kind of calling you out and saying, oh, you believe in that, that, that pie in the sky, Jesus kind of stuff, and you're supposed to be Christians, and you guys are, are terrible, the churches only want money, and all this other stuff, and it starts putting these little seeds in your mind when you're starting to doubt. Find your footing, and the way to find your footing is through reading the Word of God. 
And and Mike and I say this a lot because, and, and Mike, I t- so resonate with what you were saying about how you were studying. I am awesome at using resources to find things in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And like you, and, and I, that just is like, I'm like, Mike, I'm resonating with you saying this because <laughs> I know intellectually, I've been around and studying the word long enough to where I can understand the key concepts and everything else. But having the word in you is a different thing. And I'm starting to... In, in my long walk, right? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not new to this, but I am new to actually putting the deposits of God's word into my heart, mm-hmm. right? I can go find it. I can pull it up. I know where to go look. I can, you know, hell, at the baseline, I can just Google it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, can, I can be lazy about my faith and find stuff to try to look like, oh, yeah, I know my scripture. Yeah. But when, it's, when you start taking those deposits and putting them into your heart and the word... And God or the Holy Spirit starts bringing this to your to your mind, and you're remembering it, and it's it's truly coming from a place of wanting that relationship. You're not doing it out of some obligation to study the Word. You're studying the Word because you want to put it in you. Mm-hmm. There's a difference there, and 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 as you start embracing the tension of doubt, the more you've found that foundation, you're you're able to to face it. Whether you don't, whether God doesn't answer you or the text doesn't give it to you. You're okay with that. And you know that God is his word doesn't come back void. Mm-hmm. You you you're okay with resting that you don't have an answer for now. And I will say this, there have been times when I've questioned certain things in scripture and I didn't have the understanding or the the you know just the, the scriptural knowledge to to really articulate that and look at the context. Mm-hmm. Down the line, somebody has spoken about that, whether that's a pastor that I'm list, that I'm in church, or maybe I'm watching something um, on a sermon on YouTube, or or doing some other researching. But God always tends to circle back around and answer that and address that doubt. So sometimes it's not a matter of if it's when, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I think. Having doubt and wrestling with scripture is a healthy thing to do as long as point number three is put into place. And that is be proactive and start searching for those answers yourself. And, and, and like Mike said, talk to people about the areas of your faith that you're struggling with. There's so much power in that. You're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Just like why the reason why we're doing this podcast. We can't be the only ones who feel this way. And I'll tell you what, there is a shame. Uh, I, I hate that word shame but it's yeah. it's a feeling like yeah i'm ashamed of where i'm at sometimes in my behavior and my walk and not knowing what i think i should know by now after following jesus for a while i'm ashamed that sometimes i haven't made those deposits of the word into my heart and when i talk to others and they share their experiences and they're open about that i feel relief even if it doesn't get answered but i feel relief about Hearing those similarities, like Mike and I are doing right now, hopefully somebody is resonating with what we're talking about. And like, you're, you're not the only one. You don't have to sit there and be in silence or feel like you're going to be a bad Christian or or what are people going to think about you? You know what? There's others like you out there. And as a matter of fact, you may be the one right now who's listening who needs to speak up in a group because you need to be that voice for somebody who's going through something, but they're afraid or ashamed to talk about whatever that something is. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm sure. I, I believe I I talked about that before on on a previous podcast. But I have a friend who she knows. I won't mention her name, uh, but she knows who she is. And I I talked about um, my depression and my suicide one time, and it, I was around people I didn't really know, and I spoke up. 
I don't know how or why I even brought it up. It wasn't, you know, I think it was, uh, I believe it was, you know, spirit led. You know, she was struggling with the same thing, mm. but she didn't know. And two, this was, you know, five, five, five years ago that I had this, I, I talked about this. To, the, to this day, you know, her and I are really close. Um, let's just put it this way. And she knows who I'm talking. And when she hears this, she'll know who she is And when I say this. But she's my, my missing puzzle piece is what I call her. I, I needed to say what I said. She needed to hear what, what she heard. But I needed to know that it wasn't for nothing. And it was for something for her. If that makes sense, that you know. Sense. So she's my she's my missing shout out to my miss uh, my puzzle piece. I call her, you know. She's amazing. <laughs> she's awesome. I love her. She knows it. That's cool, man. And again, and even if us just saying that, if you reading your word, remember, even the greats in the Bible struggled with doubts. I mean, look at look at uh, John the Baptist after he got arrested and he's in prison mm-hmm. and things weren't going his way and he's like, uh, can you send word to Jesus and you know, hey, if you're really the Messiah. Um, we've been waiting for or should we keep looking for because i'm still stuck here in this prison <laughs> in my sin or whatever that looks like yeah. right and you know john the baptist went through that and uh the person they called doubting thomas mm-hmm. the resurrection of jesus um he asked for proof and said that unless i see the wounds in his hand um you know i'm, I'm not gonna believe that he was resurrected and here comes jesus and jesus is like hey you know i even let you touch it right like here it is he's not showing it <laughs> how to many him. of us are like that you know in in our walk like all right jesus Show me that you love. Show me you're real. You know, like we, yeah. I, I've had that conversation plenty of times. Like Bible genie Jesus. <laughs> Show me that you're here. So all of them, you know, the greats, they struggle with that. But the important thing is that um, it's, it's not that we struggle with our faith. It's what we do with our doubts. And those of us who follow mm. Jesus, we do have that hope. And in Isaiah 50, um, chapter 55, verse 11 states, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I um, purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it. God's word does not come back void. There are a lot of areas that we struggle with in scripture, and I've come at a point in my walk where I'm okay with that. If I don't understand everything, I'm okay with that. I don't have all the, the my questions answered about the Bible, and, and sometimes it's further down the line where it does get answered, and, and that's all right. But I think that's all part of the journey. Right. This is not a, I don't think like in a year, like, hey, I'm a Christian now. My life has totally changed and I have no more work. <laughs> like this is a, this is, this is like working out. It's a lifestyle. You, you'll you'll never, commitment. you'll never master Christianity. This is yeah, you that won't, way. right? You know, you, the, the deeper, I told my wife this, I was like, you know what it is? It's like the, the deeper you go, the, the more you learn, you realize you don't know you don't nothing. Know anything. You don't, and, I, and that's <laughs> what know. I love about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's like, so deep. It's so it, deep. How, how like the the Bible, the scriptures is is like how deep you want to go. It is because you, you, you want to go deep. There's no depth. There is, and, so. and therefore don't also shame people for not knowing what they don't know. There's some folks who sit in their their academic high ground who look down like. What you don't know this about the book of the Bible and how long it was written and all these details are like no man I'm just reading it I'm trying to follow not, Jesus not all of us started on third base bro exactly take a bro chill, chill pill. out man <laughs> all right so let's take a quick break and we'll be back with some closing statements.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, Psalm 23. All right, y'all, so we're about to close this out, and, and we just wanted to talk about a few scriptures, and I think the most important thing is here when you're struggling with self-doubt and doubting your faith, and we think it's important for us to talk about holding on to God's truths and promises. This scripture I found when we were doing, kind of doing our research and stuff, I found that I, as I get older, I, I kind of find myself like relating or how you want to, how we always say, we. this is the scripture I've been wrestling with because it, it's a reflection of, of who I am right now, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the last couple months with everything. And it's, um, it's Mark 9, uh, chapter 24. I encourage people to read the whole story. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, I'm going to start from uh, 21 and it says, Jesus is saying, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father from childhood, he said, and many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him, talking about the demons that he's possessed by. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if I can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now that that's that whole thing right there is like, the father is saying, but if you can do anything, he's speaking to Jesus when he's saying this, right? Obviously, he knows who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? He, he he has faith. He knows who Jesus is. He's heard of him. Uh, obviously, you know, he's coming to him because he knows he could heal his his son uh, and everything. But he just, he comes with that doubt, right? That's doubt. If you can, right? He's telling It's almost this, like a challenge. Yeah. So he's like, he's saying that to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's pleading, right? He's, he has doubt. This is, this reminds me of, of like when we're, uh, crying in our, in our, our breakdown, mm. like we're sobbing, like, God, why? Like, if you like, just get me out of here. Why can't I pass this test? You know, if you can help me, you know, like we say those things, let me continue. And, and with Jesus, when he says, if I can, like, I always picture this, like, with a side smile, right? Like, what? if I can, like, what's up, homie? You know who you're talking to? <laughs> Everything is possible for the one who believes. What's the opposite of doubt? Believe. There you go. And then we go on to 24, and this is the scripture, this is the verse that I'm wrestling with right now in my life, and it says, immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Mm, mm, mm. Help me. Okay. This is the one that I'm I'm wrestling with because I know my faith and I know what I believe. But if I were to be honest with you and with everybody, I have unbelief in some things. I had unbelief. Uh, I didn't think I was ever going to pass that test. I thought, you know, like it, it, I, I had that in me. It's been in me my whole life, obviously, you know, with some of the things that I shared. But I think we all have that. And we need to confront it. We need to be honest. with. We need to confront our unbelief. And this is what he did in this scripture, in this verse. He confronted his unbelief. 
And he, he threw it out to Jesus. He said, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Took it to Jesus. He was open. He, tur- he, he showed Jesus. Uh, he's like, he didn't just say, oh, yeah, I do believe, Father. I do believe Jesus, like, heal my son. He said, no. He was like, man, just to think of, like, where you're at. Yes, Father, I, I do believe, but help me with my doubt. Help, help me with that, right? Like that's, that's this is where I'm at. And then Jesus saw the cr- that that a crowd was quickly gathering. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, "You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again." Boom, mic drop. That's what I got to say. <laughs> I mean, that if I were to be to sum up my 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 doubt and fear and my faith and everything else. That's that scripture right there is what I've been wrestling with, and and that's kind of where I'm at, man. And and you know, if if I were to give advice to anybody listening, first off, please, please don't give up. Please, just know, just know that you were created for something greater than where you're at now. If you're struggling, that's true. And coincides. I got three scriptures that that I wanted to provide that that, that stick to that theme, and it says one is a. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Remember that as you're going through your doubt, that God knows his plans that he has for you. And it's not for you to fear, walk through life fearing things, to walk through life just doubting everything that you hear. It's a plan, it's a future. And there's hope in that. The next one is John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There is a different kind of peace when you follow Jesus than what the world offers. Mm -hmm. The world's peace is temporary. Remember, we're always playing that how do we compare to other people kind of thing. Okay? And, and the logic and philosophies are always changing. The Lord says, my peace I give to you. And it's not as the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled. When you follow Jesus, trust and lean in. Even with all your doubts, take it to him. Yes. And this last one, for those of you who are struggling with the doubt because of the sins and the lifestyle that you're into, I think this one is very important. And this one is in 1 Corinthians 10, or chapter 10, verse 13. And it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. All right? There's things that are common to us as being human beings and sinful human beings. But he said, I will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with that temptation, I'm going to give you a way in your sin I'm not going to let you get so far gone, or should I say, the option you have, you can decide how far down that sin rabbit hole you want to go. Right, there you go. But just know that I've provided you a way out. Yeah. And so turn back. I'm going to just keep it 100. There's a lot of times that I've sinned where I consciously know that it's sinning against God. It's just that I was in that weak state of mind where I could not resist the temptation to sin. And even I could even sit there and be thinking about scriptures while I'm sinning and not opt for the way out that God has provided me. Because I know that when I was in my weak spot and temptation was hitting me and the Holy Spirit, I have to believe that that was the Holy Spirit saying, hey, look, there's a way out. Don't don't do it. 
don't look at that don't drink that don't consume that mm. don't go around them right don't don't put yourself in that situation there's a way out and you're just like i hear you it's like it's like there's a bird you know like the like the devil on one side of your shoulder and an angel on the others and the devil's speaking heavily into your ear the angel's like hey kind of like flick them off your shoulder and you're like yeah I'm a, <laughs> devil, I'm a rebel you know but 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 god always provides a way out for you so there's you can't you will never ever be so far gone that that the hands of god and the hounds of heaven cannot reach you mm-hmm. and so that is the words of encouragement we want to leave you with that there's no sin too great that god cannot redeem you from it you will suffer the consequences though i mean that's just part of the package but he provides a way out of that and that there's healing that happens and mike and i both know that healing process is, it's the healing is a process yeah right it takes some it time it takes some time and you gotta and you gotta you gotta deal with everything one at a time one at a time <laughs> and, 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 so if you have a lot of baggage like i like i do and i've did like i'm i have like a few more bags i'm sure i gotta go right. through you know and it, it is what it is deal with it and and just know that that god loves you uh, God cares for you. God, uh, God's grace is always there for you. It always, it and it's a peace. gift. Yeah, His 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 grace and peace is always a gift. You gotta accept it, and that's on you. Yep. Right? We're just here to support you, right? We're the messengers. We're the unpolished messengers. <laughs> We're the misfit messengers. <laughs> the misfit messengers saying, "Hey, there's a Lord out there who loves you, and we're gonna point you towards Him and ask that you follow Him, even if you don't. We're still here, and we still love you. All right, I'm David. I'm Mike. We're the Kingdom Misfits, and we'll hope that you tune in with us on the next podcast. Peace. Peace.